0: It's Nathan, and this is day 36 of the Bible in 90 days. We're in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah, just 13 chapters, tells of Nehemiah, a high-ranking official under King Artaxerxes, specifically his cupbearer. Hearing of the terrible state of affairs in Jerusalem, Nehemiah goes back to help, leading the rebuilding of the wall. It's also notable that Nehemiah and Ezra were contemporaries. Chapter 1, by the way, a chapter you should read, finds Nehemiah in Susa, receiving a heartbreaking report about the situation back in Jerusalem. And I quote, Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Upon hearing this distressing news, Nehemiah prays, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of love with those who love Him and keep His commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. His prayer includes both a confession of his people's disobedience as well as an earnest appeal to God to honor His promise. The prayer ends... Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. The man at the end there is a reference to King Artaxerxes. Chapter two, another chapter well worth reading, opens with Nehemiah serving the king with a long, sad face. Seeing this, Artaxerxes queries, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Though afraid to answer, Nehemiah discloses the reason for his sadness, recounting the message he'd recently been given about his people back in Jerusalem. The king replies, What is it you want? Nehemiah courageously requests letters of safe conduct as well as timber from the royal park. Both requests are granted. And Nehemiah travels to Jerusalem, accompanied by army officers and cavalry. Sanballat the Horonite and Tobias the Ammonite, powerful men in the region near Jerusalem, are quite disturbed at Nehemiah's arrival. The rest of the chapter recounts that Nehemiah inspects the walls by night, and then, in a meeting with the Jewish leaders, urges them, Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. They agree, beginning immediately. Sanballat and Tobias ridicule Nehemiah and the people, questioning their motivation. But Nehemiah answers with courage. The God of heaven will give us success. Chapter 3 reports in detail the builders on the wall and the sections on which they worked. Chapter 4 finds Sanballat, who's outraged at the project, opposing the work, mocking. What are these feeble Jews doing? Tobiah, who's right beside him, joins in. What they are building, even a fox climbing up on it, would break down their wall of stones. Nehemiah prays for God's protection and intervention. As the work progresses, the local peoples become increasingly angered and the Jewish builders increasingly anxious at the trouble that's brewing. So round-the-clock guards are posted, and the people are also encouraged. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. The increased defensive posture meant that half the men worked while the other half guarded, and even those working were always armed. Further, all the people were prepared to muster at the trumpet alarm. Were there an attack somewhere along the wall? Chapter 5 tells us that while the rebuilding was underway, there were other challenges. And I quote Some were saying, We and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. And then another, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others said, some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. It was a serious crisis, and the news angered Nehemiah, who quickly called a meeting to address the situation, especially the issues of charging interest to one's own countrymen, as well as the enslavement of fellow Israelites. Nehemiah ordered that the necessary changes to correct the wrongs be immediately made, threatening those who did not take action. The chapter also reports that Nehemiah was generous toward his people, including feeding, and I quote, 150 Jews and officials. Every day, by the way, and bearing the cost himself. Chapter 6 reports that the opposition continued with Nehemiah's enemies, led by Sanballat and Tobiah, trying to lure him into a trap. Nehemiah's simple reply, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Next, Nehemiah's enemies start to spread a rumor that Nehemiah and the people are staging a revolt. But Nehemiah simply prays, Now strengthen my hands. However, the enemies keep trying to intimidate Nehemiah, Sanballat even hiring an insider to try and dissuade Nehemiah from his work. None of it is successful, as far as successful in getting Nehemiah distracted. Chapter 7 reports that after the wall was completed, Nehemiah gave instructions for maintaining the security of the city, placing Hananiah and Hananiah, men of integrity who feared God, in charge of the gates. A large chunk of the chapter is then devoted to listing the returned exiles. After this listing, it's noted that some claiming to be priests are found not to be and are excluded. Also noted are contributions from heads of families. Chapter 8 records that the people came together in the square, and I'm quoting just these few words, before the water gate where Ezra read the book of the Law of Moses, standing on a wooden platform built for the occasion. When Ezra read, the people stood. The Levites assisted Ezra by, as the text says, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. While they listened, the people wept. But Nehemiah encouraged them. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength during this reading they discovered the feast of tabernacles and celebrated it and then i quote again from the days of joshua son of nun until that day the israelites had not celebrated it like this and there was and their joy was very great Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. They celebrated the festival for seven days, and on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Chapter 9, by the way, a chapter well worth reading, finds the people mourning and confessing their sins, listening to the law being read for part of the day while spending another part confessing and worshiping. The Levites lead the worship, saying in part, Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host. The earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. This prayer also included a brief recounting of God's miraculous providence in dealing with the Egyptians, providing the law, giving bread and making water flow from a rock. The prayer includes as well, acknowledgement of Israel's rebellion and God's compassion. And I'm quoting now, in all that has happened to us, you have remained righteous. You have acted faithfully while we acted wickedly. The chapter concludes, in view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. Chapter 10 begins with a list of those who sealed a covenant to be faithful to the law of God. The covenant is then written out in the chapter. It includes a promise not to intermarry, a commitment to keep the Sabbath, a promise to give to support the service of the temple, etc., And it ends with, we will not neglect the house of our God. Chapter 11 lists in detail the residents who lived in Jerusalem, along with the surrounding settlements. Chapter 12 lists the priests and Levites, and I quote, who returned with Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, and with Joshua. The rest of the chapter records an elaborate celebration for the dedication of the wall, including musicians. Finally, the men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms. And I'm quoting again in the days of Zerubbabel and of Nehemiah, all Israel contributed the daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside the portion for the descendants of Aaron. Chapter 13 records Nehemiah's final reforms. The chapter indicates that Eliashib, who was put in charge of the temple storerooms, was also a good friend of Tobiah and had given him a large storage room in which to live. This had occurred while Nehemiah was back serving King Artaxerxes. Upon returning, Nehemiah threw all of Tobiah's stuff out and had the rooms restored for proper use. While there this second time, Nehemiah also learned that the Levites were not receiving proper remuneration. So Nehemiah made the necessary changes. Further, Nehemiah made Sabbath reforms as he discovered the people were working on the Sabbath and selling in the marketplace. To reinforce this, the city gates were shut before Sabbath and guards were posted. A couple of times merchants came on the Sabbath waiting outside the gate, but Nehemiah threatened them with the rest, so they stopped coming. Finally, Nehemiah severely rebuked the men who had married foreign women and had children who couldn't even speak Hebrew, even beating some of them. That pretty much wraps up Nehemiah. The final words of the book, remember me with favor, my God. And that's all for today.